Have you ever read or listened to stories of entrepreneurs or high-level executives who just seem like they can't do no wrong? Like they earn a boatload of money and look super happy, you just can't help but want to be like them? I mean, like to the point where you find yourself comparing what they're doing to where you are and you think you're going to be better off chasing that version of success? Well, listen to what happened to Jason Zook. I had a business that made a million dollars. This was my I Wear Your Shirt business where I literally got paid to wear t-shirts for a living from 2008 to 2013. And that business made a million dollars, but I had $100,000 in debt by the end of it. I had gained 50 pounds and I hated my life. Jason Zook learned the hard way that striving for more wasn't improving his life at all. Instead, he decided to own his weird by looking within, and now he's happier in his personal and professional life. What's his own his weird, you ask? Well, I guess you'll have to keep listening, won't you? Welcome to Beyond the Dollar, where we have deep and honest conversations about how money affects your well-being. I'm Sarah Lee Kane, your host, and here to give you space to explore your relationship with money. The guilt, stress, exhilaration, and fear no topic is taboo. This episode features Jason Zook, who's a self-described unconventional entrepreneur. I mean, come on, you got paid to wear t-shirts at one point. We chat about how comparison and understanding our core values can lead to working to the bone to earn more, or whatever people define as success in their financial life, and why having an enough number is really essential for your well-being. We also dive into how owning your weird can do wonders for your money. Now, please make sure to listen to the end for some guidance on how you can own your weird in your financial life as well. Before we get started, I just want to talk about support for the podcast. If you get a lot of value out of these episodes, one way to support it is to sign up for a free trial of Audible. Seriously, it doesn't cost you anything. When you sign up, you get a 30-day trial, which includes two audiobooks for free, like the one Jason Zook wrote, Own Your Weird. I get a little kickback in return, which will help fund the show. So to nab your free trial, please go to beyondthedollar.co slash audible. And to find resources that shared in this episode, head over to beyondthedollar.co or click on the link in your podcast app. Now get ready, grab a seat, and let's go beyond the dollar. Jason, welcome to Beyond the Dollar. So excited to have you on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, making time for me. Yeah. And I mean, very exciting that you listened to that one solo episode. I think I mentioned Wandering Aimfully, which we'll definitely get into in that episode of my uh, my nice burnout story, as I like to say it. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Uh, I actually, I think it's like once a week or two, I'll check our analytics. And I just happened to see that you know, the name of your site was referring traffic. And I was like, Oh, what's this? I don't know what this is. And so I went and checked it out and listened to the episode. I was like, Oh, this is this is awesome. I love like super transparent conversations about money. So yeah, appreciate you giving us a shout out. Awesome. Well, I'm hoping we have a similar type of conversation today. Because one of the reasons why I love your work is how transparent you and your wife are about the idea of you're kind of anti-hustle mentality. You're striving just for enough income. Definitely want to get into that. And your your book is coming out or is out by the time this comes out. So, you know, all the more reason to chat about that because I think you were in your book, I don't remember which part, because I don't remember page numbers. <laughs> is <laughs> you know, you're talking about chasing down external validation, you know, more work, more press, all of that wasn't leading you to happiness. So let's dig a little bit about that. Like like when did you stop hustling? Like when was that? Like at what point did you learn this and, and what happened afterwards? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think for many many people, especially entrepreneurial minded people, but anybody who just is striving to succeed in their life, you have some preconceived ideas of what that means. And for me, that thing was just having a million dollars. And I remember being like in my early 20s and just thinking like, I need to get a million dollars. And however that would happen, I needed it to happen. And as I got older and, you know, wiser and more experienced as we all do, I had a business that made a million dollars. This was my I Wear Your Shirt business where I literally got paid to wear t-shirts for a living from 2008 to 2013. And that business made a million dollars, but I had $100,000 in debt by the end of it. I had gained 50 pounds and I hated my life. (laughs) I built myself like or backed myself into a corner trying to achieve this arbitrary goal for no other reason. Like I don't have a lifestyle. It's a million dollar lifestyle. And I think for the majority of people, we don't have that and we don't need that at all when we really define what we need. And I just it's one of those things where I had my own like touching the hot stove moment. Like I know you have a a, a son and I'm, I'm sure at some point he is going to touch the hot stove. And it's like the thing that we do as adults, we have to do this in business. We have to do this in relationships. Like we have to go almost too far so that we understand, oh, wow, that's not good. And burnout is something I know you've talked about and, and that you've dealt with. And I did the same thing. And so it's just all of these things kind of came to a head for me. And it just made me realize I don't need to subscribe to any of these societal norms of what success means, especially when it comes to money. I need to define what matters to me because I chased down the norm and it sucked and it just really kind of almost ruined my life. Yeah, it's kind of that, I'm going to put this in air quotes, like six-figure income. Like that's I mean, I know when I first started freelancing, that was like the goal. Like, I want to make six figures a year. And I never stopped to think, do I keep any of it? What does it mm-hmm. mean to even earn it? You know, which which I've done. And I think when I reached that point, I realized, okay, well, I was very clear on why I wanted it, which I think was why I wasn't as exhausted, <laughs> if that makes sense, um, when mm-hmm. I did. But then, you know, a couple months ago, you know, again, talk about in a previous episode, I just burned out because I thought I have to make more than this now. Now that I made $100,000, I need to make 150, 250, thinking this idea of like more is somehow the next step. And you're right, it doesn't, it doesn't make you happy at all. If, if it's not the right goal for you or the right intention. I think what I've learned from my own experience is that you have all of these goals and you have all these ideas and you have all these things that you want in your life. But rarely do you actually sit down and with a significant other or a friend or just in the mirror go, do I really want those things? Like, do I really care about having a yacht? Do I really care about having multiple homes around the world? Do I really care about living on the beach and having, you know, beachfront property and like all these things? And when it boils down to it, a lot of the times, if you just try a small part of those things, you realize you don't need them full time. They're really fun to have in the moment. They're really fun to experience one or two times, but it doesn't need to be something that you strive for your income to have to dictate your lifestyle for those things. Instead, you go, what am I willing to live with on a day-to-day basis that makes me happy? That's not just you know a sad existence. But that is just enough. And it's that thing that that you mentioned earlier that my wife and I have really come to. And this has been something we've been talking about for years now. It just for ourselves, we really haven't even talked about it publicly that much until recently. But it's just about defining like where do what do we want to live in? And for us, like a thousand square foot home, two bedrooms, one for an office and one for where we sleep, and just like a nice, somewhat open concept, that's enough for us. We don't need a three thousand three thousand square foot McMansion 
because we were striving to get something like that. And why? Like, we, we're two people. We have a dog. And we don't need all that space. And I think that just like clearly defining what those things are for you, and especially when it comes to business, like what is the amount of money per month that you need to live the lifestyle that you want? And what is the amount of money that it takes to get that? And for a lot of people, I think for a lot of people that probably listen to your show, a lot of people that listen to our stuff, six figures, just hitting $100,000 is probably more than enough if you really got honest and direct about what you need or want in life and you defined those things. Yeah, I love that. So I want to dig into how did you come up with that number? Like, you know, you mentioned that maybe there is something that you want, but it could only it doesn't mean you have to have it all the time. It could be part of the time. Like, how did you figure that part out? Yeah, so we we've kind of just been doing a floaty dance through life when it comes to money for the past couple of years, especially after we paid off our debt in 2015. We paid off $124,000. It was awesome. I think it was actually 2016. But nonetheless, the page number doesn't matter. The year doesn't matter. We paid off all of our debt. And we kind of had this moment where we were like, okay, what now? Like, this is amazing. And it's been a goal that had been driving us for the, the two years prior. But once that was done, like we felt great, but we just didn't know what we wanted to do with ourselves. And so we actually just sat down and we decided to define what is like our dream place that we want to live in for the next couple of years that isn't a McMansion, that isn't any of these things. What is the amount of money that we want to make with our business that doesn't feel like we're burning ourselves out and burning the candle at both ends at all times? What is the amount of customers that we can support without having to hire anybody because we don't want to hire people. We want to run our businesses our own ways and we don't want to have to deal with customer or deal with employees. And those were things we just sat down and started defining. And then that came with numbers, right? So, you know, having a place where we live, the amount of food that we eat, the amount of times we like to go out, like we really just looked at our budgets that we had been spending because we were super budget conscious while we got out of debt and paid off our debt. So that just led into, well, hey, our life wasn't miserable while we were paying off all of our debt. So maybe we can increase things just a little bit, but maybe we don't need to increase them at all because it's fine and it works out. So we we sat down and we really defined this this kind of like our big goal number and we have like our baseline number. So that's what we call our monthly minimum magic number, our mm number, just because it's fun <laughs> to say. And so that number is like, you're just paying the bills, you're getting by every month, you're not feeling, you know, like you're, you know, profiting a bunch of money and throwing a bunch of money in savings. But you're also not feeling like, oh, my God, where's the next money going to come from? Like, you're okay. And so we defined that number. And so for us, that number was $16,000. So that just basically covered everything in our lives, business expenses, living expenses, rent, car payment, food, a little bit of savings here and there, and just like other random things. And then we said, okay, we've got the baseline. And this is both of us. What is our enough number? So what is the number we want to grow to that feels like if we hit this number, we don't need to then get on the hedonic treadmill of, well, maybe we can just make more. And so how we defined that was we wanted about $10,000 in profit a month. We wanted to give about $3,000 in charity a month. And we wanted to be able to obviously put away for taxes and just have some more buffer there. And then there were a couple other small things. And that came out to $33,000. So it's basically double our number, which I don't think is a general rule of thumb. If someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, I kind of want to see if this works for me. You can actually, if you want to, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I want to see how this works, go to wanderingamefully.com slash working. And that's this kind of framework that we've created the monthly minimum magic number and then enough. So that can actually walk you through that. But we got to this $33,000 a month number. And here's the thing that I think you'll really appreciate, Sarah. We are not there yet. 
And I think for so many people, it's really fun to hear the stories of we've made it and here's the success story and all this stuff. No, we're in the thick of trying to get past our number, get to our enough number. And we're really sharing the journey of what that takes to get there. And we're experiencing the roller coaster ride that is working for yourself and making your own money and trying to create things that haven't been created before just in unique ways. And it's fun. It's also challenging. It's also a little defeating at times. But we're working toward that number. And we know that when we hit it, we can just kind of be happy to stay there and coast there and exist there. And that's enough. No, I love it. I think that's one of the reasons I really have been following so closely with Wondering Aimfully is that there's not a lot of people that just openly share like, man, today was a great day or this sucked because I was dealing with PayPal issues or, you know, whatever it is, right? Like for <laughs> yeah. hours on end. And I think, I think for me anyways, I get really sucked into Instagram and all the nice pretty pictures. And then I find myself comparing myself to other people thinking, oh, okay, well, they're making this much. I should be making this much if that looks like the life I want. I mean, how do you keep that comparison at bay? Like I love the enough number, but at some point I like, I personally know that I'm going to get distracted by other people's enough numbers or whatever their lifestyles is. Yeah, I'd actually be curious to ask you, have you ever sat down and really defined like what would be enough for you and gone through that exercise? Yeah. So in full transparency, our bare minimum expenses, I think is about like 3500 a month. And that's just like mortgage. I don't really drive. Nice. And so it, it, it's a pretty, I think it's a pretty good number. And then I think our, yeah, our, sure. our enough number is I'm trying to we're trying to save like really aggressively for personal reasons right now is add another 4000 on top of that. So if we were to great. reach $7,500 in income, yeah, which is great. I'm like, okay, great. Like my salary is actually enough to do this. Like if for some reason my husband lost his job, you know, his career went to heck, whatever, I, you know, it be, would be fine. But there are times when I feel like there's this nagging feeling of like, look at what this family's doing. I mean, I, I, I keep it in check, but Sometimes like I I'm going to be honest like go down a rabbit hole of of comparison. Yeah, well, and I'm I'm really I'm I'm glad number one I'm just glad you have the show cuz I think it's so great to be able to have these super honest conversations about something that like your show description says like people talk more about religion and sex and they talk about money and and I do think that that is something that is there is so much emotion tied to tied to money and when you don't have it, when you do have it, when other people have it and you want what they have. And to answer your question, you know, I actually, I think for me, a couple of years ago, I remember reading all the income reports of all the super well-known entrepreneurs that we all know and follow who published those things. And it was a little bit of like entrepreneur porn, you know, like I'm, I'm watching it, <laughs> yep. but I'm feeling like I know I shouldn't be watching it and I shouldn't be checking these things. And truthfully, I just... I actually just stopped following those people. I stopped looking at those websites. I stopped consuming that content. And as much as I may like that person as a friend, or I might think that, you know, what they're doing is interesting and I want to learn from them, it was actually more negative, you know, mindset shifts for me that were happening under the surface that I needed to just get rid of. Because if I kept going down that path, I was going to get stuck going, well, we, you know, we only want to make $33,000 a month, but this person makes $200,000 a month. Like they almost make in a month what we want to make in a year. And that's crazy. And, and that can really derail your progress. And I, so I think the, like the long winded here recap of what my answer is to that is just to remove that stuff from your vision if you can. And if you really find yourself after unfollowing those people on Instagram specifically, and maybe you need to block those websites just for a little while so you can't go to them. 
And if you find yourself going, oh, I'm really missing out on the knowledge and the experience I'm learning from that person, then cool, you can go back and follow them. But my hunch, because I've been through this myself, is that you don't. Like you were just there to kind of watch the, you know, the train wreck or whatever it is, in a, maybe even in a positive way. And it it wasn't healthy for you. And And I think for me, that's, I haven't thought about looking at anybody else's income or cared about it at all. I've only cared about our journey since doing that, since kind of clearing out all of that stuff. And it, it really becomes empowering because then you just go, okay, I'm on my mission, you know? And for you guys, you know, I think it's awesome that you just said a second ago, you're kind of already hitting your enough number. I mean, that's awesome. That That is a really cool thing. And, you know, maybe you have an enough stage two. And, and maybe that's what would really help you is to go, okay, our enough that we want to get to by the end of 2019 is $7,500 a month. We did that. Like check mark, awesome. Maybe by the end of 2020, we want to get to $10,000 a month. Okay, now we'll work up to that. But it's based on your decision, not based on what you're seeing someone else do, if that makes sense. No, I think that's that's perfect. Like I think you'd hit the nail on the head. I, I think for me, I got into this black hole Partially, I wanted to really celebrate what other people were doing. And then I found myself getting very triggered. And I, and a lot of people I talk to, it's the same thing. They're like, oh, I was really excited for this because I saw what was possible. But then I started feeling like crap. And it was like, okay, well, it, it's like, okay, once you feel like you're getting triggered, you have to really consider like what's going on. Is it you're comparing yourself or you need a shift? Like you said, maybe block some of these websites, take a break from it and see how you feel. And then you can invite some of that invite, <laughs> you know, subscribe <laughs> to some of those things back into your into your sphere, I guess you can say. Yeah. yeah and, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I was going to say one of the things that is really the the dark spot of entrepreneurship in my mind is that a lot of these people that publish these super shiny, glossy income reports and like how much money they make and how great their lives are. We don't know that that's the absolute truth. And I think that's the thing that just really makes me cautious about all this stuff. Like, I know a couple people, it is the truth because I know those people personally. But there are a lot of people online that you see that are publishing the like six figure per month income and whatever. And they kind of just glaze over the fact that they spend $40,000 in Facebook ads every month. And I understand that great for them if they want to spend $40,000 on Facebook ads to make $100,000 a month. You know, more power too if you want to make that happen. That seems like a scary proposition to me, you know, and that seems like that could go wrong at any moment and you get left with a super hefty bill. And I just don't want to run my business that way where I'm super reliant on another platform. I want to be reliant on my own creativity and my own output. And yeah, sure, that's a short term thing that you could grab, you know, and, and maybe it works for a little while. But I just think that we don't always see the full truth of a lot of these people that we tend to look up to. And it can be a little bit scary if you, you know, kind of hedge your bets on following someone's advice where you just don't really know the whole story. You only know the story they're telling online. No, I agree. There's, oh gosh, I don't even remember who said it. I'll leave it in the show notes. Someone I really admire, uh, John Morrow, I think he was one who said, there you go, is he was talking about if you want something and you're following someone, you have to think about the sacrifices that they made to get to that. So, you know, he was, he was saying, Hey, listen, I earned like $10 million a year from my blog, but like I cannot move from the neck down. I had to move to Mexico to get healthcare for mm. years. You know, he's going on and on. He's like, if you're willing to take all of that baggage to earn $10 million, go ahead and, and live my life. But if you're not, then you need to think about your own lifestyle and what it is that you're willing to to work for. Because at the end of the day, it's like you've got some good parts of your life, some shitty parts some air parts mm -hmm. and you have to take the whole package. Yeah, totally. And you're you're so right. I mean, 
you know, we even talk about that with people who follow us. And it's like, you have a whole different set of circumstances than we do. You know, like I really uh, sympathize for people who have kids and for people who maybe even have a spouse that doesn't understand their entrepreneurial journey, because I lived in that world when I first got started. And that's really tough, you know, when you don't have someone who fully supports every move and decision that you make. And that doesn't mean that they can't like question and criticize and, you know, do all that stuff. But that can be really difficult. And it's like you said, I mean, there are so many sacrifices that we don't see and that a lot of people don't talk about. And there's also a bit of time and place. And that is where I think it's really interesting where you want to compare your starting line to someone else's finish line. And we tend to really try and dissuade people from this. Or if they're going to do that, at least acknowledge it so that you go, okay, I want to be you know, uh, like my buddy Matt Diavella, who's just doing so well on YouTube right now. But he's been doing it for two years. He's published hundreds of videos and his early videos got a couple hundred views. That's actually really empowering to me as someone who wants to make more YouTube videos and more content on YouTube again. And to say, okay, in two years, I'm going to compare myself to where Matt got to and and not to a place of where I'm going to feel judgment of myself if I didn't make it where he did. But I'm going to give myself that amount of time to create consistently and authentically. And I think that's that's where some of this these comparison traps can kind of be avoided, too, is when you really level with, okay, am I actually comparing apples to apples here? Or am I comparing like apples to chimpanzees? <laughs> and it's completely irrelevant. And it just doesn't make sense to compare. No, I... Or don't just or leave don't. it. This is real. No, no, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I I think that's great. I think you're right. Like if we have to compare, let's let's look at what somebody else did maybe in the beginning of their journey, or let's look at all the kind of I don't want to say baggage, but the stuff around that. I mean yeah, totally. I mean, there are people that come up to me and go, Wow, like you just live such an awesome life. And and I go, You I'm like, I'm not trying to like downplay my achievements, but there have been a lot, there's been a lot of behind the scenes stuff to get to where where I am and I'm still striving for better balance. Like right now I'm terrified my four-year-old's going to come in and scream into the mic. Like, let's be honest, (laughs) right? (laughs) I mean, there's all these things. And I think, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is just a generalization. I feel like maybe North American society in general, like we're always, not always, that's an absolute. We're generally taught to look outward instead of inward. And I remember for me that minute where I started asking myself, like, what is it that I want? or what is it that's going to make me happy or, you know, things like that, like that total shift just like changed my happiness levels like overnight. Yeah. And that, that's for us, you know, that has been the defining the enough number. It's been being super honest and transparent. You know, I think a lot of what that is, is and it's what I talk about in in the book is your core values. So what is the stuff? And I, I get this from my wife. I didn't come up with this myself. I'm not smart enough or, or internally <laughs> motivated enough to figure this stuff out. She is. But your core values and defining what really matters to you, that's where you can start to have almost these filters that you put through the decisions that you make in your life, through the content you consume in your life, through the things that you decide to spend your time on. And if they don't match up with your core values, and if they aren't something that really matters to you, but it does matter to like society or to whatever bubble you're in or you consume content from, then you really have to decide, okay, hey, I'm getting kind of sucked into these comparison traps again, or I'm, I'm going down these rabbit holes of reading all of these success stories and whatever. But you know what? That doesn't matter to me. Like I've defined what matters to me and it's X or Y or Z. And that's all I need to come back to. And you kind of recenter yourself. And I think that's just part of human existence too, is, is we have these amazing brains that can compute all this data and can take all this stuff in, but also can just be like the distracted squirrel at all moments, you know, and it's just like shiny object, shiny object, shiny object, 
as opposed to going, well, what really matters to me? And then when the shiny objects come, I can go, well, does that match up with my value of, let's say, you know, for me, like being unique and being different? No, that that's following someone else's blueprint. That's following someone else's path. I know I'm not going to feel fulfilled if I do that. So I need to look at that and go, what can I learn from that? Now, how do I apply it to myself? Because I know that if I do it my own way, I'm going to feel super like fulfilled and awesome and, and excited about this. That's what really matters to me. And defining those core values, I think, is just something that they change over time. But it is another sit down, you know, look yourself in the mirror, talk to your spouse, talk to a friend and define those things, have them written down somewhere where you can see them, you acknowledge them and you come back to them to use again as those filters for decision making. Yeah. And one of the things that really that really stuck out to me in your book actually is the core values, I guess, exercise or questions to ask. One of them was, what is it that you don't like? Or whenever you are in a certain situation, or you do something, something's off. Like, I really like that because I think it's great to focus on what you like and what you want, but there's so much wisdom and like insight into things that you don't want because it can give you a clue into like, why is it that you don't want that? Like, that's actually fun fact, I guess, is that's how I discovered my value of autonomy. Like that is, I didn't realize how big of a value that was to me until I looked back at past situations where I was put into these situations where I didn't have a choice in in the matter in terms of decision making or money or career wise. So that's a really great one too for everyone out there is to think about, okay, what what is it that I don't want as well as you know what it is that you do want in terms of your um, core values. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that stuff, that stuff to me is something that, again, like I, I agree with you. And it's something I've said many times before is that you learn so much from what you don't like doing and from what doesn't resonate with you than you do from the successes, because the successes just kind of like roll off your back and you just keep moving forward. But the don't like doing things again are the hot stove moments, right? They're the things where you go, Oh, I just bought this you know, uh, how to sell an online course and make, you know, six figures with your launch or whatever thing. And I'm like, you know, two modules into this content and holy crap, this feels incongruent to me. And I just feel like I would never do half of the things that I would do here. And that is your like, ouch, you know, that's, I just went down this path. I don't want to do this. Now, maybe you want to create an online course, or maybe you want to write a book, or maybe you want to start a freelancing business or whatever it is, but you have to figure out what way of doing that really resonates with you. And Sometimes I think it is really helpful to go to the extremes so that you can pull back and then figure out, okay, that didn't work for me. I need to establish what my values are with this. And you're only going to do that by experimenting, by going through things, by trying them and figuring out what really works for you. Yeah, I love that. So for audience, I think this is, I think it's pretty obvious for people who are more entrepreneurial or self-employed or own their own business, but maybe for those in a nine to five is not as apparent. I think you mentioned very briefly about work values and personal values and how they should be the same. They're, you know, are they interchangeable? Like, can you elaborate a little bit about that and what you mean by it? Yeah, you know, there's. We all know the statistic that you, we as humans, we work a third of the time of our life is spent on work, and it's spent on going to a job or working on a business or any of these things. So, if you're going to give up a third of your life to something. It should be something that you enjoy. It shouldn't be something that you go to every day or that you slog through every day or that you have to pull yourself out of bed and Mondays are, you know, Sunday nights are the worst because you're dreading Monday morning. And I just really believe that if you care enough about living a good life, if you care enough about enjoying this one life that you have, uh, my friend AJ Leon says, this is not your practice life. And I just love that quote because it's true. Like, as far as we all know, we only get this one. So why don't we try and make it as good as we can? 
And it's for you to decide, okay, if I'm not working at a job that matches my personal values, I'm not going to feel fulfilled and I'm essentially going to waste my life. And I don't mean this to be like doom and gloom if you're currently listening to this and you hate your job and you want to get out of it. I'm hoping that it's a moment of empowerment for you to realize what are the things that really excite me about life or that really bring me joy in life? And what are the companies that also have those values? And how can I try and work my way to work with, at a company like that or start a company like that? You know, whatever that looks like for you. And I just, you know, for me, I can only speak from my personal experience. Working for a nine to five job, it just didn't resonate with my DNA. It didn't resonate with how I operate. And just like you, like I love autonomy, you know, control, flexibility, and uniqueness are my three core values. And much of those don't come along with a nine to five job. Like it just doesn't happen. But now that I know that, that makes it much easier for me to, when I get into the moments of, oh, like our business isn't going as well as I wanted, or things, you know, something broke down or a software company I own is just completely failing. I can go, should I get a nine to five job because it's not working? No, because it won't resonate with my values. It will not work for me. I will be absolutely more miserable in doing that. So that's kind of how I use those things to make decisions. And I really do think that for some people, if stability and predictability and income really outweigh, you know, the chance to make more money or the autonomy value or any of those things, then great. Keep your nine to five job. Try and make it the best you possibly can. If it's a horrible working environment, please try and find a better job in a similar industry and, you know, do those things. But I think that that's really kind of how I view, especially kind of the nine to five work world, the traditional work world versus your personal life or just being an entrepreneur. No, I I wholeheartedly agree. I think this is a mistake I think I've made for many, many years is separating my work life from my personal life. And I don't think it they're not mutually exclusive. Like like you said, you, you know, there's only one life. Like why can't you just find a way to to merge those two together, even though maybe you're driving to physically to an office and then coming home? Like there's gotta be some sort of way to enjoy most of your day, right? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it, I, I really do think the onus is on us to, to like take control of our lives. Like it can feel like you, you know, work is not something that you control, especially if you go to a job and you work for someone else. But I do think that if you're good enough, if you're talented enough, if you want something bad enough, and even if that's just a better job and better circumstances, it's on you to go out and get it. No one's going to hand this stuff to you. No one is going to give you all of the right things that you want in your life on a silver platter. And maybe that is a little bit of like the North American mindset, you know, where it's like, oh, well, if I just go and do what I'm supposed to do, good things will happen to me. And I think that we see a lot of other countries where, you know, businesses are run better, people or employees are happier, people work less time than we work, and they seem to be a lot more, you know, enjoyable as humans, number one, but also just as people who like their careers, because it's not so dependent on any external circumstances. And it really is about just making sure it's a good life that you're living because so much of it is going to be devoted to work if that's the way that you're going to work. Yeah. And I also am curious too, is if I think a lot of our identities are tied into our jobs or businesses or whatever it may be. And so to hate it or to want to earn more, I wonder if that's some sort of indicator of self-worth. What, what do you think about that? Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt that I mean, for what my wife and I do, wandering aimfully, that's us in an ethos. That's that's really like that's how we live our lives is this idea of exploration, but with intention and always having this experimenter's mindset, both in the food that we eat, the work that we do, the places we travel to, 
any of the decisions that we make, you know, the way that we market our business, the way that we look at things. I mean, it's just so interwoven for us. And I do realize that for some people that may be a, there just may be a disconnect between the two. And here are the two ways that I go with that. One, if you just genuinely don't care, (laughs) if it doesn't affect you and you just feel like, hey man, I can just go to work and then I can go home and they can be separate and it's totally fine. It doesn't affect me at all. Then more power to you. Do that. That's own you, do you, that's fine. But if you're the type of person who every day you're commuting to your job and you just feel this tinge, you just feel this thing that's a disconnect, I really think you have to listen to that and you have to figure out how do you fix that problem? And again, it goes back to what I just said a minute ago. You are the one who is in control of fixing that problem. You have to get yourself out of your own circumstances. And you have to also realize that there's never been a better time to do that than right now. And 40 years ago, there weren't so many jobs that there were just all these opportunities. And 20 years ago, the internet was a giant box in a room that only could do mathematic equations. Like it wasn't what we have now. There are so many amazing opportunities that are out there. And if you are feeling that disconnect and you want it to be more connected, you want to feel like your work actually fulfills your life and is a part of your life, it really is on you to figure out how to make that happen. Understand that there's going to be sacrifices like you and I both talked about. And also to realize that it's not going to happen overnight. You're going to start in the messy beginning. You're going to go through the ugly middle as we have done many times in our projects. And it's not going to be a successful finish line you get to where just a bunch of money is piled up in your house and you're just super happy. It's going to be a journey that you're going to continue to go on forever. And and we just, we like that journey. I mean, that is the quote, right? Like it's the journey, not the destination. We really have figured out how to enjoy that journey. Doesn't mean it's happy all the time. Doesn't mean it's perfect all the time, but it definitely outweighs those negative thoughts or, or kind of things that are going on than it would be if we worked just at a nine to five job and kind of felt like our souls are being sucked out of our bodies. Yeah, that just that's like sounds like a nice bow on the like owning your weird is which is the title of the book, which <laughs> I, I think is an amazing title and love it. I have like no other questions because that was like an awesome way to like end that. Actually, I do have one more question. I always ask everybody is how do you live beyond the dollar? Yeah, I just think we don't make the dollar the first priority anymore. And as hard as that is in the society that we live in, is we try and focus on what really makes us happy in life that that matters to us, that we have defined. And if money helps us get to that thing, you know, this is where I do think the phrase money can't buy happiness is a little bit wrong because it can buy happiness in a lot of different areas. But I think in a lot of areas, you can find happiness and you can find fulfillment that doesn't have to worry. It doesn't have to involve money and it doesn't have to have you worrying about money. And I think the other thing, you know, and I don't know if it necessarily is attributed to answering your question, but I'll just say it because I think so many people deal with it. Reframing debt as a game that you can win and a game that you can succeed at level by level, that is one of the biggest things that helped us think beyond the stress of debt and the shame of debt and the all of the weight of that. Just reframing it as a game. And we actually, if you want to check out, we wrote a long article about it, wanderingamefully.com slash debt, how we paid off all of our debt and kind of reframed it. That is, to me, what thinking beyond the dollar is, is not just what it's holding you to or what it's keeping you constrained into, but how you can reframe it so that it doesn't hold you back and that you can still enjoy life by the things you define or by just thinking a little bit differently about how you can get out of these certain circumstances or things you're dealing with. Love it. Yeah, the gamifying debt. Yes, that's awesome. I will link to everything in the show notes as well. Jason, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, really appreciate it. Thanks. Good to meet you, Sarah, and good chatting with you. 
appreciate you sticking around to the end. As promised, let's dive into how you can own your weird with your money. Now, you may have recalled from Jason's chat, we were talking about the idea of our enough number. Enough number is basically the amount that you need to make every month in order to sustain a lifestyle that will cover all the basics and to help you live a life that you love. And so you will have noticed in our conversation that Jason's number was higher than mine. And we're both perfectly happy with what we came up with. So the point being that your enough number could be way higher than Jason's or way lower than mine or fall somewhere in between. It really doesn't matter. So I encourage you to really think about what your values are, what it is that you really value from your life and how much that actually costs. And so, of course, you want to include your necessities like your mortgage and insurance, all of the unsexy stuff, but then you want to factor in the sexy stuff like vacations and all of that as well. So another thing to consider is to really get a deep dive into your core values. Now, if you're a longtime listener of the show, you know that I preach this a lot, right? Core values, core values, core values. And what that is, is it helps you really guide you in terms of making decisions in your life, not just your financial life, although that's very, very helpful because money does permeate into all other aspects of your life. So if you really haven't quite figured out what that is yet, I do have a free download beyondthedollar.co slash values. It is to just help you figure out what your core values are. And that will really inform your enough number as well. The final thing to really think about is removing the triggers for comparison, right? As I said in the chat with Jason, I find myself going down a rabbit hole comparing people on Instagram and social media. And sometimes when I read articles and that just doesn't leave me feeling very good and it's not useful at all. I mean, sure, you can read those articles and feel great and congratulate those people. However, if that's going to make you feel like you're not doing enough anymore, even though let's say you've really figured out your enough number and your core values, then you want to really put the blinders on and just tread in your own path, right? As you heard, Jason makes a really intentional decision about this. And I think that's a really great piece of guidance for you. So now if you do find yourself comparing, think about the whole package. What did they do to get there? Are they lying? Are they telling the truth of what's going on in their lives? And then again, stick to your own lane. So my challenge for you, if you haven't done it already, is to figure out what your enough number is. Hit me up on Instagram or email me hello at beyondthedollar.co. It doesn't even have to be your, your enough number. If you have a question, comment, anything, please, 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 I love getting emails. Again, hello at beyondthedollar.co or you can find me at Instagram at beyondthedollar. All right, until next time. Thank you so much for listening in on Beyond the Dollar. If you like what you heard, please share with a friend. It'll help share the mission of what we're trying to do, which is to have more deep and honest conversations about how money affects our well-being. Tag them on Instagram or one of my posts at Beyond the Dollar. Send them a link, whatever you want to do to spread the mission of what we're doing here. Now, if you feel that putting money towards the things that really matter is a challenge for you, download our values-based spending guide. You'll gain clarity around what matters to you most in life, be able to name your most important values, and how to start putting money towards those things. To download the values-based spending guide, go to beyondthedollar.co slash values. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. And thanks to Donovan Durant for providing this awesome music. Music.